I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Watford FC Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Mestiano and this week we'll be discussing Watford's 1-1 draw with Bournemouth and also having a chat about Watford's next opponents, Wickham Wanderers, with BBC Three Counties' Phil Catchpole. But first, I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast Adam Newson. Adam, how are you doing? Good, thank you, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit disappointed because obviously it felt for a long time like Watford were going to pick up all three points and then right in the last minute what happens Bournemouth equalise but before we get into that let's talk about the squad for the for the for the for the game and um I was dissecting Ivic's pre-match uh, sort of conference as well and I was thinking mm, I think he's suggesting there's going to be some changes for this one and when we saw the team sheet there were some changes but I was a bit surprised that Jao Pedro is one of those changes yeah, I guess yeah, it's important to remember that he is still a teenager um, and he's played pretty much all the games so far. Um, and, you know, it was a good, it was a good opportunity to see uh, what uh, Parizzi would do. Um, he came in and did quite well, I thought. Took his goal very well. I'm sure we'll talk about that goal uh, a bit more in depth in a minute because it was uh, an excellent goal. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, the changes are necessary just because there are so many games coming up. Um, you know, I think this Bournemouth game was a run of first one of five in, in a couple of weeks you know what for the playing Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday now for until the uh, until the next international break so you know changes are necessary at this point uh, especially after such a, a strange pre-season for, for Watford in the sense of so many different players not being involved and then some being involved and then some more being involved now um, so you know I think over the next few weeks and Probably at least until you know January, because uh, there are fifteen games to play before January. I think it's uh, inevitable that, that there will be changes. And the good thing for Watford is that their squad is is so strong and and quite so deep now. I mean, you know, there wasn't Andre Gray and Troy Deeney weren't involved in the squad. Um, and you know, you, you look at the players. He was Ben Wilmot wasn't didn't play yesterday and it started very well. And there's there's so many good players that Watford can bring into this side that it really. It bodes well for the future, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you brought it up there, Watford's first goal. It was a result of really good work. Firstly, a fantastic crossfield pass from Craig Cuthcott. Who knew he had that in his locker? And then Ismailia started some great work getting down the wing, cut it in really, really well. Stipe Preacher sliding in, tucked it home. A well-taken goal, Adam. And I thought every part of that move was, was absolute quality. 
It was. It was an excellent, an excellent goal. Um, and I think it's probably one I'm sure Watford have, have worked on in in training that, that diagonal out to Saar, who makes sure he stays wide, and then Parisa's movement to get away from the defender and Saar's ball across was was absolutely spectacular. But um, but yeah, Craig Cathcart is is an excellent an excellent player. Really, I was a bit surprised he, uh, given the defensive issues last year, he didn't probably play as much as he could have. Um, but you know, he he is a very good defender and a very technically you know decent footballer he's not he's not a bit of a clogger who's just going to boot the ball up the pitch and into the channels he can play those passes um but yeah no I thought that that goal yesterday was a great example of how well coached Watford are under Ivic um and the whole game uh you know we can discuss the equalizer a bit later on and but you you saw how well organized and how well drilled Watford are which when you think back to last season and how shambolic they were at times especially in defense to have that uh, sort of organisation and structure in place and, and so well understood is is a huge achievement for Ivic and it really does set Watford well for the rest of the season because it looks like any player can come into that side now and know exactly what they're meant to do. They know exactly where they're supposed to be on the pitch and that isn't easy, you know. Uh, four head coaches last year couldn't couldn't achieve that. So, no. you know, credit, credit to Ivic. Um, he deserves a lot of that because Watford do look a very, you know, good side... They may not be the most expressive or exciting right at this point, but that hopefully will come. Um, but they've got a very good base. And I just wanted to to mention a couple of players. I thought uh, True Stekong was very good yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's really just, again, he's, this goes back to what I was just mentioned about understanding the system. He's just dropped into that side and fitted in seamlessly. Um, and Nathaniel Chaloba, I know he got, uh, he's had a bit of mixed. Um, reactions this year uh, or this season sorry I think that's understandable because his work on the ball probably isn't as sharp as it once was but uh, defensively and his awareness of what's around him and what's behind him uh, is really proving hugely effective in protecting that defence I thought he was very good yesterday as well yeah you're right there um, the, f- the first sort of big moment of the game was probably very, very early on. I think it was the third minute when Ismail Yassar was fouled by Kelly in, in a challenge that uh, mm. at the time looked like uh, it was a- it was a yellow. But then when when we saw it back in slow motion, I think it probably should have been a straight red card, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, in, in real time, it looked a very strong challenge. Um, and from the immediacy of what's sort of the, 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 the fact that Saar went straight to his knee to hold his knee, it was very telling that he'd obviously been caught quite high. Um, yeah, on the slow mode, it's pretty obvious it should have been a straight red. Um, in real time, it was somewhat debatable whether it should have been anyway. Uh, I can understand, you know, we don't have the, the hard camera was bang on the instant. You got a good view of it. Uh, the referee's position probably didn't allow the same level of view uh, or the same... Uh, appreciation for the tackle and where it hits are so you know I have some sympathy in that sense but it was a very strange refereeing performance across the board yesterday I mean I think Mm. you know there were several questionable decisions and not you know the Saar one in the third minute yes that's a red card later in the game when Saar goes through and Lloyd Kelly uh, sort of gives him a nudge and then grabs his shirt. That's yep. a yellow card. That's another one. Yeah. I think uh, Philip Billing. Not even a free kick for that, was there? Yeah, no, not even a free kick. I think Philip Billing as well later in the game. Um, also was on a, a second yellow, and I can't remember who it was he fouled, but then there was another very strong, that could have been a yellow card moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, James Garner in the first half also was, was on the booking and went in a bit strong on one, one challenge that 
on another day he could have got sent off. But um, but yeah, like I say, it was a it was a strange refereeing performance. One that ultimately I think did impact the game because if Bournemouth are down to ten men from the third minute, you'd like to think Watford would have taken advantage of that. Um, so you know, I put on Twitter, you know, VAR, you can't really live with it and you can't live without no, it. It seems. No. <laughs> so, I, I, I was going to say, Adam, I was watching match of the day today and. and I was looking at the VAR decisions once again and I think it just destroys the game. And, you know, I asked myself the question, if we could have had VAR for yesterday, meaning that Watford might have got the decision and then potentially won the game, but that would mean we'd have to have VAR for the whole rest of the season. I'd be like, "Mm, nah, nah, just leave it out. Leave it out. We'll take the draw. We'll take the draw and I'll just enjoy the rest of this season VAR free. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably a debate a lot of people would have. I mean, I'm probably not as anti-VAR as a lot of people, um, largely because I don't fundamentally see it as a huge issue if it's implemented correctly. I still think we're really struggling in this country to implement it as well as other countries. You know, Germ- Germany and Italy have, have had it for quite, uh, for I think, maybe three or three seasons now. And yes, it's not perfect, but it runs a hell of a lot more smoothly, it seems, than in this country. So, um yeah, so I'm I'm not entirely anti-VAR, and if it was in in place yesterday, then you know Watford probably get to play a team that have ten men for ninety minutes plus. But um, yeah. there we go. Yeah, and and Lloyd Kelly had a big hand in in Bournemouth's equaliser as well. So I mean, he wouldn't have been on the pitch. I mean, you could say someone else would have would you know would have probably put the shot in or something. But you know, he was on the pitch. Probably shouldn't have been. Ended up scoring. It was rubbing the salt in in the wounds there. But. Uh, We'll get to that. In the second half, um, Etienne Capu came on for, for Ghana, who I think had a slightly disappointing game. But uh, Capu, when he came on, he really showed us the quality that he possesses. Um, he, he hit a great pass to Saar that, that got him in on goal. Unfortunately, he was thwarted by Begovic, who, who could, made a good save diving to his near post. But uh, Etienne Capu, again, showed us the quality that he possesses when he came on. Yeah, exactly. And it's brilliant uh, that he's still at Watford. Um, you know, I don't think there's a Watford fan who really would have begrudged him leaving, um, given his service. And, you know, he has been very, very good over the last couple of years, especially. Um, and, you know, the chance to move to a club like Valencia is not one that would likely come up for him a lot, in the given his age. But, um, you know, the fact it hasn't gone through is, is great for Watford. And he's sort of, he showed yesterday that he's really willing to... to sort of keep up the level of performance that we've seen from him over the last couple of years and given that you know there are 45 points still to play for before January uh, even if he does go in January but what forget 15 games from him this season he's going to be hugely influential in those in those 15 games so you know he's, his quality is not in doubt we know exactly what he can do and the exciting thing you know is last time I was on the transfer window was open and there was so much uncertainty but the fact that, you know, Will Hughes is around, uh, Etienne Capoue's around, Ismail yeah. Assar's still around. And then you've got, you know, people like Truce Dekong, you've got Ngakia who's come in, you've got Ken Semmer who's been integrated really, really well having come back. You've got James Garner, you know, the, the, squad, is, the squad is so strong and the quality within it is is so strong. You know, if Watford were in the Premier League this season still, you wouldn't you wouldn't be disappointed with the team that they're putting out essentially at the moment. Right. So, um I think that's, you know, that in with itself comes pressure. There's going to be pressure to, to ensure that Watford don't really drop below at least six this season, I imagine. Um, so, you know, yeah, with quality comes pressure, but it's difficult to really pick major holes in this Watford squad at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and being in the championship is giving opportunities to players that potentially wouldn't have had those opportunities as much in the Premier in the Premier League. One of those is Domingos Quina, who I think had a reasonably good game when when he was uh, in the side. He, he he had a couple of decent shots that were well saved. Um, one that Jao Pedro almost managed to get onto, and I felt for, forever like he was going to get there, but uh, it was just poked away from from the goalkeeper Begovic. Uh, but you know, another decent performance from Queen. Yeah, I think you know, I from the the performances that he had in the, under Javi Gracia, uh, I think it was in eighteen nineteen. You know, he showed that he has a lot of quality. Um, it's just a case of becoming more consistent with that. And he was given you know an opportunity yesterday, and he came on and he he showed his technical quality. There was one little back kill which opened up the the Bournemouth defence, which uh, almost led to a, a chance, which was you know just an excellent piece of skill. Um, yeah, his quality is not in doubt. A case is a trying to find a, a natural home for him in this Watford team, which yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure there is with the with the three five two or the three four three. I, I think I'm that's not... the biggest issue, isn't it? Finding where his best position is within the team that that, that Ivic wants to wants to play. Yeah, and you know we've we've spoken that you know Ivic is is set this side up so well to a be incredibly resilient and well organised defensively, and Kino isn't isn't probably one of those midfielders like a Chaloba or like a Tom Clever who is going to be as, you know, oh, I want to get back and defend, I want it back into my own box. He does want to get on the ball and, and create chances and that's his game and that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, the, 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 the problem is just trying to find somewhere where, you know, that attacking side of his game can flourish and the sort of maybe the less side of the defensive side of it isn't as exposed. Um, how how we do that or how uh, Ivic does that is, is the challenge and We'll see over the season, I guess. Yeah, towards the end of the game, Watford were hanging on a little bit, I think it's fair to say. But finally, the pressure told and the equaliser came. And uh, for me, Adam, it felt as though it was two points dropped rather than a point gained because you were in that position where you just needed to see it out for a bit longer. But I think one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask was, why was there so much injury time? Uh, I think it was probably for the uh, injury for Parizzo, which did take quite a few minutes to to sort out. Um, I saw that uh, Ivic said it wasn't too bad, but um, that looked quite a nasty fall that he had, and obviously it did take a, a few minutes for the uh, for the sort of arm to be checked over and then uh, tied up in his shirt. So I imagine that was sort of three or four minutes, and then you know there's the usual substitutes and whatnot. So. Uh, I wasn't as incredulous as I saw some some people was, but um, but you know it 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 it, it was a point dropped in the grand scheme. You know you lead for most of the game, and then you can see that late on it is it is two points dropped. But um, the performance, uh, especially the say we touched on it, the the organisation and the the resolute defending and just the the feeling of it. You know you you just feel that this Watford team are a team that are a going to give you everything they've got, which I think is. Uh, the first prerequisite for for any supporter that their team does, um, and they've got some some very very good players, some very exciting players, no more so than Ismail Star, who who can win a game for you and who can light up a match. So, yeah. um, two points drop, yes, but uh, reasons for for optimism, plenty of reasons. After the after the game, Vladimir Ivic uh, came out and, and he was he was uh, very honest again as he as he often is, and he says Watford didn't take their chances to make it. 2-0 so they had to defend the 1-0 and ultimately they didn't manage to do it fair comments 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, they did have chances. Probably, you know, the Saar one was a was a good chance when he went through again, and uh, Keener had a good uh, good shot save. So they had opportunities, um, but you know, you don't take those, and you are going to be forced in those final minutes to sit back and hold out for 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 what you've got. And you know, sometimes you can do it, and sometimes you can't. And there wasn't any question of Watford's players, you know, not not giving everything they've got to hold on to that one 0 lead. In the end, it was a set piece that undid them, and. And so be it. But as I say, you know, there are so many positives to take from that game. As disappointing as it was, you you know, you take the point and you move on to, to Wickham on Tuesday. Now, one player who didn't feature yesterday, but who has been in the news recently in a slightly different way for a change, because rather than being in the news, is now writing the news. It is, of course, Troy Deeney, who has signed for both TalkSport and The Sun. Adam, as a journalist yourself, what's your opinion of Troy Deeney, the journalist? Uh, Troy Deeney, the journalist. Uh, uh, it was look, Troy Deeney, the journalist, was inevitable, or Troy Deeney, the media personality, was inevitable. <laughs> um, and that's not that's not a criticism of Troy by any stretch. You know, he's uh, he's done his work. He's he's learned how the media works. Um, memory serves me well. He's he's, he's undertaken a course as well to to a sort of media studies or whatever that. you want to put it. Uh, uh, from memory, I believe that was the case. So he's not gone into this blind. He'll know what it's all about. Um, and he is that rare breed of footballer who hasn't been media trained to, say, just bland platitudes that get him through a post-match interview. He will speak his mind. Sometimes that comes back to to bite him. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, as a journalist, when you speak to him or interview him, it's always interesting, which um, not all footballers are, in truth. Um, some of them are very guarded, and you can understand why certain mm. uh, at certain times. Yeah. Um, but you know, Troy is 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 what he is, <laughs> um, and he will be very entertaining on Talksport. I have absolutely no doubt about that. He will give his opinion. <laughs> some people won't like it. Uh, a lot of people probably won't like him at times, but they are his opinions, and he's happy to to give them out and happy to stand by them. So fair play to that. Um, so yeah, I say it was. I always thought it was inevitable that he would go into to media at some point. Um, he'll be very good at it, in my opinion. Uh, even if he will rough, ruffle feathers at point, um, but you know, it's it's personal preference about what paper you want to write for, I guess, and what you know whether or not you'd want to write for the Sun or, or not. That's up to to Troy yeah. Um So some people won't agree with it. Other people won't have a problem with it. Um, it's how I guess, from my point of view, I just would like to. I hope that they, they use Troy in a way that isn't just uh, a quote machine, because I think he can be really, really interesting on a lot of issues if you give him uh, the right platform, rather than just sort of wanting him to say something controversial to get clicks. It's my hope is yeah. that they use him in the right way. Yeah, I mean, not that it was ever going to happen, really, but uh, he probably won't be signed by Liverpool now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Or, or but, indeed uh, Everton, to be fair. But uh, no, but uh, you know. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because I imagine there's a, a very split fan group still about whether or not him staying at is, is, is a good thing for Watford because I know before the window closed there were sort of some people who really wanted him to stay and some people who didn't want him to stay and you know he's here now looks like he'll be here for the rest of the season um, so it be interesting to see what impact he does make because you know last time in the championship he was undoubtedly one of the best championship strikers around absolutely so yeah. he's obviously yeah six years older now um which is going to impact things but it, it's very interesting to see what kind of mark he can make on on this season for Watford 
Right, good stuff. Let's turn our attention to Tuesday now, and uh, we're coming up against Wickham Wanderers, Adam. Wickham, yes. who are 23rd in the table, zero points, uh, ahead of only Sheffield Wednesday because of Wednesday's points deduction. Watford still need to be very wary of complacency going into this game, though. They do, they do. And, you know, one of my, my very, very good friends is a Wickham fan, um, and he was absolutely ecstatic that they got promoted to the Championship. But then when I asked him what, what he thought of the season he pretty much said there's a zero chance we stay up um <laughs> and that was pretty much in the immediacy of their promotion so you know uh-huh. the fact they're in the championship is an incredible achievement in itself it is yes um that i i i'm not gonna you know pretend i've watched wickham 46 times a season um i haven't uh i went to one of their games last year with my with my mate and they got gubbed by coventry on uh, I think it was either Boxing Day or, or around those games, and they were mm-hmm. awful. Um, but you know, I think we all kind of know what Gareth Ainsworth wants to do with that Wickham team. He's they're going to be quite direct. They're going to be you know physical. They're going to make it a battle. Um, it's got them this far. Why would they really change? Even if it hasn't worked out so far in the Championship. Um, so it is not going to be an easy game for Watford. It'll be interesting to see the personnel that. Uh, Ivich goes with. Um, is it probably going to be a game for João Pedro? That's a big ask for him to go up against a Wickham defence. They are going to probably batter him a bit. Um, Perica might have played, uh, were it not for the injury, because I thought he did quite well yesterday. And his movement and sort of physicality was something different. Um, in an ordinary world, it actually might have been a good game for, for Dini if he was yeah. fit, but um, it doesn't appear that he is. So... It is going to be a difficult test for Watford. It's going to be a good test for the Watford centre-backs. It's going to be a good test for the Watford forwards, essentially, to, to come through that battle. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Ivic sets his side up because it's going to be a bit of a challenge. I don't think that Watford are going to come up a lot of times this season against. Um, I do think the majority of championship sides are now looking to be a bit more uh, ball on the floor. Let's keep possession. Let's build attacks um, through our team rather than just going long. So... It'll be interesting to see how Watford cope with that and how they adapt to that. But the reality is the quality gap between Watford and Wickham should be too big to, for Wickham to overcome. But, hey, this is football and anything can happen at the end of the day. Do you think Watford would change their shape for, for, for the Wickham game or, or would they be similar to, to how they featured uh, against Bournemouth? Uh, I would be surprised if they change shape just because it seems as though Ivic is so... Um, steadfast with that three at the back that um, I don't think you'll change it at this point um, it could be interesting to see who in that defence you pick um, maybe you do go with Cavaselli, Trustekong and Cathcart because they are the, the sort of more perhaps physically dominant centre-backs um, I'm not sure Ben Wilmot would play in this sort of game. Um, it doesn't have the same amount of muscle as the other players you mentioned there, does it? No, and uh, I'm not really sure what the situation with Srialta, or Srialta, sorry. Yeah, Srialta. He, he was on the bench, wasn't he, against Bournemouth? But, uh, didn't... Yeah, I'm not sure if he would be chucked in. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising if you see, yeah, that back three again, you maybe, you know, maybe put, you know, Nathaniel Chalaber um, in there as well. you Try and you know you try, maybe yeah Chalaba and maybe Kapu you put you put your big players in perhaps um, and then hope that you got Saar and potentially the wing backs um, and yeah who plays up front I guess is the is the big call so uh, I don't see them particularly changing shape but it will be interesting to see how they 
they go through this challenge. But uh, it'll be an interesting game for sure. Absolutely. Um, Wickham, Wickham is a local derby. It's it's certainly one that I wanted to get to. And I'm, I'm desperately sorry that fans of both sides won't be there, especially since the derby relationship has always felt like a friendly one between Watford and Wickham. It's more about... Uh, you know, pleasing to see them do well, and and uh, it's very pleasing actually to see them get to the championship. It's certainly not the same relationship that Watford have with, say, Luton in the kindest mm-hmm. of respects to them. No, it does seem a lot more cordial, I guess. Um, and not to to be dismissive of Wickham, I guess that's because over the years Luton have been a more uh, more of a challenge or more of a threat to Watford than Wickham have been. Um, it would be interesting if Wickham and Watford were in a division for ten years, whether or not. Uh, that relationship would still be the same type or whether or not it would become a bit more uh, closely contested and closely uh, and more heated um but no it, it, w- it would have been lovely to get to say one of my one of my good friends is a Wiccan fan I'm sure I would have gone along with with either him or or or, or, or you know watched it in another way with him so um that is a shame so yeah we will uh we'll see hopefully by the time the reverse fixture comes around things will be a bit different and Hopefully, football supporters will be allowed back into a stadium at some point, because, yeah, logically, why aren't they at this stage? Even if it is only a couple of thousand. Yeah, football needs fans, and fans need football. It's a, a symbolic relationship, isn't it? Symbian relationship, one of those. I... It, it is, and yeah. you know, you, you see certain theatres being socially distanced. You see restaurants open. You see pubs open. And at the end of the day, why can't football fans be trusted to? go along to a game, sit outside and maintain that social distance and be respectful of everyone else and watch their team. It doesn't seem to be that difficult uh, an ask, it just, but it doesn't seem football fans are trusted to do that, sadly. Final question then, Adam, and it's the same question I always end on with my guests. Uh, you're not a betting man, I know, but if you was, what would your score prediction be for the game? Uh, I will go with 2-0 Watford, another clean sheet. Uh, and job done and then on to the next one fantastic okay well i hope i hope that watford do pick up the three points thank you very much for joining me adam if you like what you've heard from adam and, and why wouldn't you adam puts out some brilliant content you can follow him on twitter at adam newson so get on twitter click that follow button and you can find out everything that he puts out there you're adam, too kind matt you're too kind. <laughs> thanks again for joining me it's been no. a delight no worries take care mate Oh, no. Oh, mate, you've sliced that one. Oh, man, that's just getting embarrassing now. Right, that's it. I'm sorting this out. Hello? Is that Nick Pinnett's Golf Academy? Can you fit me in for a few lessons, please? Oh, terrific. Yes. Blimey, what a shot. What in the world has happened to your game? If your game could do with some improving... Get in touch with Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy, based in Panshanger. Nick is a PGA qualified coach who can analyse your game with the latest technology and coach you to beating your mates in no time. For more details, Google Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy. Okay, let's turn our attentions to Wickham Wanderers now, and I'm delighted to be joined by Phil Catchpole at Blunt. Phil, Phil, welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. You've been a, a long-time watcher and commentator of Wickham Wanderers. It must fill you with so much joy to see them playing their trade in the championship now. 
it's wonderful, Matt, and, and thanks for having me on. But yeah, as you say, it's uh, it's a bit of a dream, really. Um, from 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 when I started going to see Wickham in the late eighties uh, in the Isthmian League to seeing them now in the Championship. Um, I was at Carrow Road um, for the last game and sort of looking around that stadium and and the Bajetsky Stadium, the game before that. I mean, these are magnificent football arenas and stadiums and to see Wickham now on a sort of a level footing in terms of, of the league um, playing these opponents is just wonderful, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, so, so yeah, the results have been tough, but the experiences so far have been excellent. Yeah, you've, you've not had the greatest of starts, but I mean, I've, I've looked at all of those games independently and with the exception of Blackburn Rovers, you've not been thrashed by anybody. And you've always been in the game and you've scored, you know, some goals as well. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. No, and I think the encouraging thing from, from a Wiccan point of view is um, at the start of the season, they the first game was against Rotherham, which, you know, with every respect to Rotherham, played out a bit like a League One game, mm-hmm. um, was very tight and Wickham got done in, in the last couple of minutes of injury time with a set piece. Um, the Blackburn game was a real education, 5-0 away from home and ripped apart. But every game since then, Wickham have been getting better and yeah. finding their feet in the championship and, and really learning really learning the game because I think it's a completely different game from League One and League Two. And Gareth Ainsworth has never managed at this level. He's having to find his feet as well. The pre-season was short. They've had to um, do their business uh, on the cheap as well, as which is always the Wickham way. Um, but they're getting better week on week. And Reading last Tuesday was a really good performance. Uh, and Norwich yesterday was a fantastic performance um, against one of the teams that will surely be absolutely fancy to go up. So um, they were unlucky. A couple of decisions went against them. So um, optimistic because the performances are moving in the right, in the right directions. And, and watching football, as we all do quite a lot, once the performances are there, the results tend to follow. So we're all very hopeful that the points will be on the board sooner rather than later. You mentioned the transfer window there and and the business that the club got done. I I suppose the fans probably felt as though they knew who who needed to be brought in, even if it wasn't exact personnel, what sort of positions needed to be brought in. Are you happy with what's the business been done? Yeah, um, I think there's there's two answers to that question is is, um, I'm happy with the way that they've done it in terms of what they've spent. They haven't um, thrown everything at it in a, in a wild attempt to stay in the championship. They've done it frugally. Uh, they've, they've kept the budget sensible. Um, so if Wickham were to get relegated, um, it wouldn't be a problem financially. Um, so I, I fully agree with that um, sort of long term for the greater good of the club strategy. Um, but the players they have signed, um, these are players that, um, have points to prove in the championship. Uh, Daryl Horgan was at Preston North End and then went up to the Scottish Premier League. Um, and I think it, he 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 fancies a chance in the championship. Um, so um, it'd be good to see him sort of establish himself. And he's starting to do that now. Uh, Uchiik Piatsu, again, a similar story, um, was at Reading, I think even at Watford at some point as well. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, before heading down to Cambridge and then heading up to Scotland as well. So I think in the English game, I think he wants to prove a point in the second tier. 
Um, and then the loan signings that Wickham have made. I mean, they've got a fantastic track record in this area. And uh, Josh Knight, who they signed from Leicester, is proving to be a very astute signing at centre-back. It's great to see him develop and, and find his feet so quickly. And Dennis Adeneran in central midfield has just been a, a real revelation straight away um, and has made a massive difference to Wickham Wanderers. And it's brilliant to see these young players coming in, um, albeit they're owned by the clubs, um, but it's great to see them come in and be developed by by the Wickham management team of Gareth Ainsworth and, and Richard Dobson. Um, so, yeah, I think the only area I think we're lacking in is left back. We've only got one sort of recognised left back right. in the squad in Joe Jacobson, who has been a fantastic servant for Wickham Wanderers and is so important to how Wickham score goals from set pieces. Um, he's a decent left back as well, but the championship is just full of out and out pace merchants on the right uh, and on the left. And, and we need to protect him now and again. And because of the fixture list as well, he's in his thirties. Um, it would be nice to have sort of a, a younger, almost sort of apprentice left back to be kind of called upon throughout the season, but they weren't able to get that done before the window closed. So unless they magic up a, um, an, un, you know, an unattached player, that's the area I think we're lacking a little bit in. Yeah, you mentioned there that the board haven't spent big. There's, there's a real feeling around Wickham as though there's just a delight to be playing in the championship more so than an expectant. And, and it's almost like a spin of the dice. You know, if we manage to stay up, brilliant. If we don't, we're just going to have a really good, enjoyable time. Yes, we're probably going to lose more than we win, but we're just going to really give it a good go with the players we've got and, you know, a few players that we can afford to bring in. But we're not going to, you know, potentially end up... Uh, you know, ruining the club financially by by giving it uh, more than than we have, and 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 uh, ultimately we're just going to try and enjoy it. Exactly that, really. And I think we've looked at a couple of recent cases. Um, Yeovil Town got into the Championship famously. Yeah. Um, I think they kind of threw the kitchen sink at it a bit. Hasn't really worked out for them. They're back in non-league. Um, and then there's Burton Albion, who under Nigel Clough stayed up in that first season um, and very, very close uh, to staying up a second season as well. And they didn't really go go crazy in the transfer market and they've managed to kind of make themselves a sustainable club. Um, and I think that's very much the model of the Wickham owners now because we've changed ownership um, in the last 12 months. Um, we now have a, an overseas owner but he wants to run it as a sustainable business, which I think in the current climate is absolutely vital. Um, and I think Wickham fans, yes, we'd all love to stay up. Some of us believe we'll stay up. Some of us really hope as well that it can happen. But if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we'll still be there next season in League One. And more importantly, the club will still be in existence and financially solvent. And that's really, really important because... You know, divisions, results, we all know those things can change. But what's really, really important is that we can all take our kids to games in, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, because the club has to exist. That's the bottom line for me. Um, but if we stay up, even better, because then that's even more money coming in from the championship. Yeah. And one of the disappointing things about this season, at least, is that we can't take our kids to the games. We can't even take ourselves to the games. And for for a season like this, where, you know, you finally managed to get up to the, the championship, it's probably one of the biggest seasons in the club's history and, and fans can't be there to watch it, Phil. It's utterly heartbreaking, Matt. It really is because um, 
you know, these, these, these are great days out for Wickham Wanderers. You know, Caro Road yesterday, what a wonderful stadium, you know, a yeah. trip out to Norwich, you know, great pubs and all these other things. It would have been a fantastic day for the fans. And, you know, these these are all the way through the, the, the fixture list in the championship. Um, so, yeah, really, really heartfelt for the fans on this one because... You know, there's there's a lot of tick offs out there as well for fans who haven't been to those grounds. I include myself in in that as well. Um, so yeah, it's really heartbreaking um, from a fan point of view, but from a football point of view as well, it's making it more difficult, I think, for Wickham because at home, um, not many big teams will fancy coming down to Adams Park and in a tight ground at the end of an industrial estate, um, and the fans sort of could make a big difference at Adams Park with the terrace. Um, and then away from home yesterday at Norwich, um, Wickham were really frustrating Norwich and in a packed Carrow Road, the home fans probably would have would have sort of got on the players backs a bit and maybe added a bit more pressure. Um, and that really was missing yesterday um, because Wickham did that classic away performance and, and frustrated the home side. And normally you get about 20,000 fans at that level saying, you know, getting on the back and, and making it more difficult almost for their team. But that wasn't there yesterday. So, so yeah, from, from the fans' point of view, it's heartbreaking. And then from a football point of view, I think it's making it more difficult for Wickham too. Watford versus Wickham is a local derby geographically. Um, both teams are covered by BBC Three Counters Radio. But there's never felt like any manis uh, between, the two, between the two clubs feel. There's no sort of like um, hatred there. It, it's more of a, a friendly relationship than anything. And uh, would you say that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we, we were in the same division um, once upon a time. I think it was the late 90s, wasn't it? Um, I remember going to Vicarage Road and seeing a, a narrow defeat for Wickham. Um, seems like a very long time ago now. But um, so, yeah, there, there hasn't been those regular games. There hasn't been the, um, you know, the, the chance to kind of build a, any kind of animosity or, or anything like that. Um, you know, and it's a local club and, you know, it's very much a family club, even though it's a much bigger club than Wickham Wanderers. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't really see any, any problems uh, arising. Um, so we'll see what happens on Tuesday night. If Wickham <laughs> uh, shithouse their way to a, a 1-0 win and, and do whatever, then maybe it'll be the start of something. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Well, talking about that game, then uh, how do you think Wickham will, will go into it, Phil? What's, what's their shape? What's, what's their style? How do the Wickham play? Well, um, the preferred formation is 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 a four three three. You know, so um, two holding midfielders, a midfielder kind of in front of those, and then a central striker with the the left and the right sort of dropping back out of possession. Um, they like to get the ball forwards quickly, um, and any set piece on the pitch, a free kick anywhere on the pitch, is very very likely to be put onto the edge of the opponent's penalty area. Um, I think Gareth Ainsworth is a big believer in getting the ball forwards and getting it into the danger zones rather than um, what a lot of teams do, especially in the championship, is this sort of possession-based passing it around between the centre-backs for five or ten minutes and then sort of stretching the team and bringing it forwards. Mm. Wickham don't do that. They, um, they, they'll go forward and get the ball forwards very, very quickly. Um, last season, there was a great example of this. They won 3-0 away at Rochdale and had 29% possession and no corners, um, which I was complete, I was completely staggered by because wow. everyone talks about possession football and all this other stuff. But you know, we all know at the end of the day, the only stat that really matters is the score. Um, and it was, a, it was a very comprehensive victory with 29% possession. And I was like, well, I can't quite understand this, but it makes complete sense because Rochdale had the ball on their own penalty area for the majority of the game and did nothing with it. And I think Gareth Ainsworth is very 
sort of astutely realised what he's got available in his squad and thought, right, get the ball forwards quickly and, and make things happen. And a lot of opposition fans in League One were very critical of that style, but I think it's because Wickham are getting success from it. I've noticed in the Championship so far, because we're losing games, uh, no one really seems that bothered, but everyone gets very upset when Wickham win that way. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Most people, if they're not familiar with Wickham Wanderers, are familiar with Adi Akinfenwa. How important is it to have a representative like him at the club? It feels, in a way, a bit similar to the way that Troy Deeney is for, for Watford. Yeah, he's he's a talisman on and off the pitch. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic character. He's a wonderful man. Um, you know, inspirational as a footballer and and as a human being, really, because of what he's achieved in the game. Um, and you know, against Millwall um, last Saturday, uh, yeah, two or three games ago, he came off the bench to make his championship debut at the age of thirty-eight. He'd never played at that level before, and Amazing. you know, it, it's just another great chapter in the story of Adebayo Fenwa. Um, You know, he's a great example for the younger players. Um, his schedule is very different to any other professional footballer. We can give him extra days off. Um, he, he does a lot of work on the, in the gym on his own. Um, he does a lot of training with the team as well, obviously, but he, he has a slightly different schedule. Um, but he's a real he's a real professional, and you can tell the younger players really look up to him um, as a footballer and as a professional and as a person. And the impact that he has on those players and the people around the club is um, is absolutely massive, really. And we really miss him when he's not playing as well, um, because he brings so much to the team, not just with the attacking threat, but also defensively. He's so good in the air, so strong. Um, when we're defending set pieces and corners, he's very, very key to that as well. Um, he's only come off the bench a couple of times so far this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what part he plays against Watford. Yeah, if he does come off, I'm sure he'll be bossing the Watford defence. There's no doubt there. So um, other than Akin Venwa then, who uh, potentially could play a bit part in the game, who are the key Wickham players that Watford fans should really be looking out for? Well, I'm delighted to say Scott Cashkett is um, is really finding his feet in the championship after what's been quite a really tough year for him. He, he had a long suspension for an historical betting offence last season. Um, oh. He'd had a lot of injury troubles before, and he was in he was in great shape. And then he got banned for four months, and it, it was a really big blow to him and the club as well. He's come back from pre-season into the championship, looking incredibly strong and fit. He's got both Wickham's goals in the championship, and he's looking like he's really enjoying playing at this level um, so it's great to see him sort of buzzing around and in, in the goals so he's one to watch um, Fred Onyedimma was fantastic against Norwich as well he's got a hundred or so appearances in the championship with Millwall under his belt and that experience I think is vital for Wickham and on his day he's a fantastic player um, and I mentioned him earlier on uh, a guy called Dennis Adenaran he's on loan from Everton um, central midfielder um, he's been an excellent signing for Wickham and he reads the game superbly, uh, breaks play up, but he's also very comfortable on the ball. You know, he's represented England up to under 19 level and uh, it's that extra bit of quality in midfield that's really making Wickham tick at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye on him too. Right. We'll be hoping that they're uh, unfortunately injured for the game then. <laughs> uh, so your last fixture against Norwich uh, was a test against the recently relegated uh, Premier League side and uh, Ainsworth after the game he said that uh, he was pleased with the performance and uh, he would he would like to see more of that and he said that if he gets more of that he can see you guys staying up this season uh, do you think that because Watford are in a similar mould 
to the way that Norwich are in, in terms of their a recently relegated Premier League side that the Wickham setup could be similar for Watford? Yeah, I think Gareth Ainsworth is is a man that's always said it's about the performances for him and if the performances are there, then the results will come. That's that's always been his mantra. Um, so um, I think he'll go again um, very similar um, with Watford. I mean, he, he does tend to pay the opposition quite a lot of respect in terms of how they set up and he will often tweak his system to kind of nullify those threats okay. rather than sort of going straight out and saying, right, this is what we do. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that differs on on Tuesday night, but yeah, I think he'll he'll I think he'll stick with a similar system because the performance on on Saturday against Norwich was was head and shoulders of our best performance of the season so far, and they were drastically unlucky not to get anything from the game. You know, the golf in 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 size of club and budget in these fixtures is just insane. I think the first parachute payment um, is something like thirty eight million pounds or something, uh, and I, I read a stat in pre season that Wickham haven't spent anywhere near that amount in their entire football league history, which goes back to 1993. Um, so to, to have that sort of budget pitted against us um, a couple of times or three times this season is kind of mind-blowing, really. But you wouldn't have known it to watch the game against Norwich. And I really hope we can give a great account of themselves against uh, a much-fancied Watford team too. And uh, it's, it's early days. It's early days. But knowing what you know, Looking at the performances that you've seen, can Wickham stay up this season? Absolutely. Um, there's so many more points left to play for. Um, you know, seven games in, seven defeats. Um, doesn't look good on paper, but I think what's really encouraging is that the performances each game since the Blackburn defeat have been getting better and better and better. So the squads uh, are learning in front of our very eyes. They're understanding what championship football is all about. Um, they're coming to terms with it slowly but surely. Um, the low knees have made a big difference and they're getting themselves into the Wickham way and into the squad. Um, so the first points in this current trajectory shouldn't be far away. Um, so, and then I think the, the psychological hurdle of getting that first point, that first win, um, we had it with the first goal against Millwall. We hadn't scored a goal in five games. That came. Um, that was a big relief. Um, so I think it's sort of step by step. Um, seven defeats after seven games isn't good, but they're not out of touch uh, in the table. Um, I think once that first win comes, they'll they'll start to cause teams more problems as well. Um, so yeah, they can absolutely stay up and Wickham have been written off in League Two, they've been written off in League One, everyone's written them off in the Championship as well um, and Gareth Ainsworth thrives on that, he loves that and I think he'll be thriving on this as well, even though this challenge is a much bigger challenge than anything he's faced before, um, I can't see any reason why they can't stay up um, and until it's mathematically impossible to stay up, he will keep believing and leading this team to, to do their very best to do so. Well, who knows? Those first points could come against Watford. I mean, from a Watford perspective, I hope that isn't the case, but they could very well indeed come against Watford. Final question then, and I always like to ask this one. If you're a betting man, what would you put down as the score on the evening? 
Oh, well, I can never back Wickham to lose. I can never say that Wickham are going to lose. And I'm very aware of the quality that Watford have. Um, although I don't think you've fully clicked into gear yet, but the results have still been there and you've been making things possible with decent wins. Um, so I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. I think Wickham will get two goals and I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Excellent stuff. Well, I don't begrudge you going for that one. That's the voice of Phil Catchpole there from BBC Three Counties. And you can follow him on Twitter, if you like, for some top football insight at Bluckfield. Well, sadly, we're out of time again, but don't worry, because we'll be back again soon with some more great insight, great analysis, and of course, great guests. If you've enjoyed the series so far, make sure to share it with your mates, give us a retweet, and please get in touch to tell us what you want to see in future episodes. So from me, Matt Messiano, this has been the Watford Buzz Podcast. See you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.